This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter and on Twitch. So if you're watching along on Sunday evening, you can leave your comments and your questions as we go. As always, a massive thank you first to our TSP patrons because you make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up on this week's pod, a frustrating afternoon ends in defeat at home to Aston Villa with drones and VAR making the headlines there's plenty for us to dive into this week we can look forward to a brief break from the Premier League next week with the opportunity to build some momentum in the Cups it's two games against Newcastle in the League Cup with the visit of Blackpool in the FA Cup sandwiched in between so we're going to preview both of those games and with nine days left of the transfer window going to discuss which top name striker the club are going to pull out of the bag to take us all by surprise with I'm Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell's the Athletics dedicated Southampton reporter. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 218 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, after a fairly faultless week where they could do no wrong, it felt like a return to more familiar territory at the weekend with that 1-0 home defeat to Aston Villa. Steve, I'm going to start with you this week. They were a bit of a there for the taking, weren't they? So drones and VAR aside, we'll get to that in a second. How frustrating was that game for you? Yeah, it was annoying. As you say, they weren't great. I mean, they were they were decent in midfield, but other than that, at both ends of the pitch, they were shaky at the back and didn't look didn't look like they had an awful lot of threat up front. So um, obviously, we'd lose one nil from a um, uncontested set piece. Yeah, really annoying. Having, as you say, done a lot of good work in the previous uh, previous three games to get, kind of get build up a little bit of confidence, and then all of a sudden that that balloon has well and truly been popped ahead of uh, ahead of that semi final on Tuesday. So uh, yeah, that could uh, that could now go quite badly. 
Yeah, it could. It does change things rather. Glenn, a huge opportunity to to get out of the bottom three. Nathan Jones had talked about that before the game, and it it just felt like we fluffed our lines a bit. Yeah, we did. We blew it. Um, it was it was disappointing for me from Nathan Jones is that I don't think he really attacked the game. I felt like we were very very sort of you know we were solid and we were we were hard to play through, um, and you know and and that's a good thing. But it it seemed to be at the expense of our. Um, attacking play i mean we've we've talked in the last few weeks about james war prowse playing as a number 10 but that got kind of abandoned at half time and he got sort of pulled back into the midfield and that that meant we were really lacking in creativity um and we didn't we just didn't seem to have much at all about us going forward so i, I was disappointed with the substitutions because they seem to be substitutions to kind of hold what we have i know there was a there was a, a bit of an increase in energy and ironically, the one sort of change that wasn't like for like was moving Walker Peters over to the right hand side. And when when they did that against Everton, he set up a goal straight away, hmm. and um, and he set up a goal yesterday as well, which ended up not being a goal, of course. So yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed. There were a number of players that I I was kind of looking at, thinking they work hard, but they've got so little quality on the ball. And I think we all know the ones I'm talking about. I can't be bothered to name them. And we've got, we've got two new guys who, um, you know, who, who are supposed to, you know, add a bit more quality and a bit more attacking threat to the team. We've got, a, you know, an Argentinian who runs from midfield and, and scores goals. And, and we've got a left winger who's, you know, who's, who's known for, for scoring goals and they don't get on the pitch. So I, I, I find it, I found it all a bit, a bit disappointing and, and um you know the, the whole thing from the from the players and the um and the manager and yeah it was it was a it just felt like a bit of a wasted afternoon bit of a wasted opportunity what was your take on the game yesterday jacob it, was, it seemed to me like the old problems still troubling us for the for a week we thought do you know what things might have turned a corner we might be pushing on now and then all of a sudden you're straight back down to where you were yeah, definitely. I think for me, that, that's probably the most deflating defeat of the season because in you know other games, you could say, oh, Slam have just really outplayed. They were really quite poor. Uh, this was one where I just thought it's such a good window of opportunity. I thought Slam could really yeah. win that game. You know, Villa, were, you know, they had no cutting edge, really. Leon Bailey made some good runs, but his finishing was woeful. I just looked at first half and I thought, you can really go and press Villa a little bit more. You know, Martinez, as good as he is a goalkeeper, I don't think he's great with his feet. You know, uh, Tyrone no. Mings as well. And I just felt like Southampton was sat in that mid-block they, where they weren't really sat back, but they weren't really pressing you. Then when they did press, you got the crowd up and everything just seemed a little bit better. And I just felt, with especially that team as well, with the dudes on the right, you know, he, he took Elianusi away from that team, who's probably better defensively. I thought they'd really give it a go. It was just a bit of a shame that he sat up in, you know, it seemed like a mid-block and with Adam Armstrong coming off the left that they just tried to counter because of Villa's high fullbacks. They're so high because they provide the width. He thought maybe Adam Armstrong could be good on the counter. But it just seemed to me like it was another game and another uh, some more points you know, slip, slipping through the fingers because one of the reasons why Nathan Jones came in was because there was such a favourable run of games coming up. And, you know, it's had, what, six games now and, he, and they won one game. And that was against Everton who are who are pretty terrible at the moment aren't they so it's another game against a, a potential you know middling to lower Premier League team and they can't even get a point as well because of the fundamentals of defensively and as good as Lianco and Slesar and Salisu may have been you know they they keep continuing to fall asleep don't they from set place yeah I'm I'm worried really worried and uh, I know we'll get onto that in in just a minute Steve I want to talk about um Glenn touched on there the squad was was crying out for new additions we get two new faces in and then neither of them start does that seem a bit strange to you um yeah I mean especially given that they've obviously both had the best part of a week and a half uh training with the with the new teammates and stuff now 
I mean, like the previous games, it made sense that they wouldn't. You were, you don't throw them straight into the starting lineup when they've had like one training session because you you don't have any sort of coherence or knowledge of sort of how that how that individual is going to sort of fit into the into the unit. But now that you've had like an entire week of build up to this game and those players have have kind of slotted in, surely you give them an opportunity. That's why you bought them as because they are better. Theoretically, they are better than what we already have. And if they're better than what we already have, then they are in our best 11 players and therefore they, sh- they should be starting games uh, more often than not. Especially in a game where against, as you say, op- opposition who are there for the taking. And if they're, I mean, Villa, if they're coming up against um, players that they don't really know an awful lot about, so therefore they've, they've not got a wealth of sort of scouting knowledge on these players all of a sudden we're the ones that are able to spring a surprise. Whereas because they know that Ward Prowse has been playing in that number 10 role the last last few games and it's worked quite well, um, they, Unai Emery's no mug. He was he was able to mm. set, up a, set up a system um, in that Villa midfield which completely negated him. So we we lost the sort of, the sort of surprise factor in that as well. And yeah, it was just, it just, yeah, it just felt like such a missed opportunity um, in so, on so many levels that, um, didn't get the opportunity to get to get these new players into the team. Um, kind of, kind of the first decent opportunity because I don't I don't think you necessarily throw them in um, for a cup semi final. So then you're probably then having to wait for the Blackpool Blackpool game next week. And suddenly pressure's on a little bit um, mm. for that game because if you get dumped out by lower lower opposition, then all of a sudden the, the mood the mood changes somewhat. Everybody had kind of built a little bit more confidence after the previous set of results. And I mean, I think you can kind of take one game like this in isolation off the back of that run and say, well, we just, it, it just didn't happen. At the end of the day, we're not good enough to play well every game. But you then go and lose a game like, like that one next week. And all of a sudden, then the, the, uh, the situation turns sort of dramatically again. I mean, we'll see on that, on that front. But mm. um, yeah, I, as I say, missed opportunity should have probably got those, got those two guys in, into the team a little bit earlier. Couple of things to talk about involved in the game itself. Um, Glenn, did you see the drone? Did you have um, hmm. did, did you have your binoculars with you? Because uh, that was that was surely the most bizarre thing ever to happen at a football game when they pulled um, them over yeah. and, and said we're going off because there's a drone. <laughs> it was more or less directly above my head because um, I, I was uh, was it you? Was... Was it Glenn Cam? <laughs> no, 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 afraid not. Um, is it is it actually a criminal offence to fly a drone over a football ground? Because if not, it should be. Um, it was in- you know, interesting that they said it was player security, um, but at the same time, you know that they're worried about the rights, aren't you? And someone with a camera on well, there streaming it. And... Well, yeah, but I mean, if it drops out of the sky, yeah, then yeah, it... I mean, those those are pretty heavy to drop on your head. Yeah, yeah. So, but it happened. That's... There was there was a game called off, wasn't there? A couple of, um, was it last season? Brentford Wolves was delayed by about an hour because of the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's certainly precedent for it, and yeah, I it, mean, it did did seem as if the ref the ref identified it pretty quickly and and dealt with it quickly. Yeah, ref ref got that one right. Well done, ref. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we could have yeah. done without that uh, the break in play though. Can we? I, I did for a while think how long is this going to last? You know, how long till they they track down? Yeah, uh, so it, of said drone or shoot it out of the sky or, or, or whatever. It, we could be here for a while. It was about forty two. Break helped us. 
Yeah, it was about 42 minutes, wasn't it, that the, mm. the drone was spotted and, and then we came back on for, it was about six minutes in the end, wasn't it? And, you know, yeah, it was it was something and nothing, really. Um, it was the actually the only interesting thing that happened in the first half because there was absolutely <laughs> nothing from either team. For me, the team, like Villa had a load of possession but did absolutely nothing with it and, and Saints just couldn't get anything going up the park. So, uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting interlude. It's the, the first time... I've uh, ever seen that since I've been going. You didn't get many of those in the 1980s. So uh... <laughs> it's a new problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, on a serious point, I, I, if it's not a criminal offence, I think it should be. Yeah, um, Jacob. Let's talk about a couple of the the times we had the ball in the net. The first, I think, <laughs> both players offside um, for that first one when Carl Walker Peters just held the ball over, and I think he will probably be more relieved than anyone that Che Adams was offside. Yeah, my first thought was, I thought Shea Adams was on and he just completely fluffed it. He was going in and then Walker Peters, I thought, was the one that was offside and he was the one that made sure it was going in. And if that was if that was the case, then it would probably sum up Slamton's finishing and, and season, really, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, Slam, I think that's really how Nathan Jones views first half of games. He's a back-to-front coach. He ensures the fundamentals are correct. And then once those are correct, then they all start adding layers. And that first half, I thought they were quite good defensively. And all they needed was that one chance, another great whipped-in ball from the Anko, similar yeah. to the Mara goal, wasn't it, against City. And, you know, if Shea Adams scores that and he's on side and start off with, then go into the break 1-0 and Nathan Jones's job and his, and his outlook is probably indicated isn't it but you know Slams probably haven't got that clinical edge to, 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 to take that type of uh, approach to, to games but yeah I do feel like Slams are set up to not to concede rather than go on the front foot and to, to really impose themselves but they did get the ball in the back of the net twice and you know I, I'm a journalist so I have to remain impartial but I, I did feel that was extremely soft that uh, James Ward-Prowse goal and I think you should have always gone with umpire's call if, if there is one in football. Let's get the views of Steve and Glenn on this one. The The second goal, um, clear and obvious, <laughs> uh, obviously came up a lot yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think LNUC deemed to have nudged Rams in the back or maybe trod on his heel. What was your, your take on it Steve? How did you see it? Well, I mean, I think if the ref gives the free kick in real time, I don't think anybody has any particular issue with it. I mean, I don't think there's really any contact sort of in terms of the shove. Um, I think that just, I think he's just sort of, his arm just happens to be there. I don't think there's any contact there. It's it's the it's the treading on the ankle bit that, that, they've, that they've pulled it up for. But is it, I mean, the referee's looking right at it. You can see on the replay, his. I mean, that's basically where the ball goes. So he's looking directly at that passage of play. He's not seen. He's not seen it from from the angle that he's got, which is basically identical to the one that the camera that he then watches back on the video. Um, so he's got the view of him missing it, and yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just soft. But like the the whole point of um, like. We say with offside, it's it's a binary thing. You're either you're offside or you're not, um, for the most part. And and I think while people whinge about the sort of margins and stuff, I think ultimately you've got to draw a line somewhere. So you might as well draw the line right next to the right next to the last defender. But for for fouls, it is it is ultimately subjective. But the whole point this season was they they'd made this big song and dance about it at the start of the season that oh the the bar for um for clear and obvious overturns and stuff is going to be is going to be raised significantly and that was reinforced what two months ago when Howard Webb was appointed as the um chief refereeing officer it's like I mean 
just chief officer because that's all they do, isn't it? They're referees. And and yet suddenly the bar is now right at the right on the ground again. It is literally, oh, I've spotted something really really pernickety and, and tiny i'm going to make you go to the go to the screen as soon as he's gone to the screen you know it's getting you know it's getting overturned mm. i think in what have we had what we had three or four four seasons with var now and i think i saw a stat recently there's been three instances where ref- referees have gone to the monitor and not um not given a decision based on it mm. yeah you, there's that you, you know in the ground don't you when that happens yeah of course you do Um, and it was just nonsense. You like, you then, you then people then see it back on the big screen and you're looking at it and just thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. They're, they're being, they're being sort of instructed or requested or however you want to sort of detail them, the way they're being managed to look at these and only interfere when, when they've made a clear, when the referee has obviously made a massive cock up Mm. and they just, he just hasn't here. He was. He was. It, yes, he, he's missed. He's missed a minor detail, which is quite surprising given how um, the nineteen free kicks he, he awarded Villa uh, during the game, when we basically went and breathed on someone, and the Villa player went to the ground. He was absolutely fine giving those. He didn't see anything going on there, so it can't have been can't have been anything major. And yet, um, here we are with with that goal that goal disallowed. And I mean, you do see it often, don't you, where a team's had a goal disallowed, chalked off by VAR, where they've They've obviously celebrated and everyone thinks they've scored. And suddenly you just get the sort of mental aspect of sort of recovering from that um, that knockback. We never really quite got a grip of the game after that, really, apart from I think Gineppo had um, forced a save from Martinez late on. So, yeah, the you, you get that you get the sort of double whammy effect of, yeah, you've not scored. And then following that, you're you're kind of a bit more slopey shouldered, aren't you, in in your uh, in your mannerisms for the, for the next few minutes. And it cost us. And Glenn, Michael Salisbury was described by the boss yesterday as uh, as being pedantic. Um, <laughs> is is that a word you use, uh, or are there others that, that spring to mind? What's yeah, what's the headline on the blog going to be? <laughs> it's got it's far, pedantic is far too many syllables for me to use. Uh, <laughs> um, I think he got intimidated. I I do think he got intimidated by basically the whole Villa team. Apart from Jacob Ramsey, is that where we're not good enough? Do we need to be better at stuff like that? Well, yeah, ten of our players or nine of our players were off celebrating. (laughs) Bianco got involved with the referee, as you'd expect. Yeah, but basically every Villa player, apart from Jacob Ramsey, who was still pretending to be injured, um, were in the referee's face. So I reckon the referee was thinking, "Okay, they're going to be really, really, they're really angry." <laughs> and Southampton are all off in the corner, and we don't really care. If that had been the other way around, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. we wouldn't have had ten players in the referee's face. And and he's gone off, and he's seen it. You know, I've seen it reported as a stamp on his Achilles. No, he barely he barely touched his heel. And, and Jacob Ramsey's interview on Match of the Day brought up one of my old bugbears, where he we basically said there, there was a little. He, he said he actually said I don't know whether it was enough to go down, but I thought it was, so I went down. And it's like, I mean, for me. If someone fouls you and they put you on the ground, it's a foul. If you put yourself on the ground, it's a dive. Yeah. And and just feeding into Steve's point, really, I don't see how you can, you can, as a professional referee who's supposed to know about football, can watch that on the TV and say, yeah, I've got that horrendously wrong. I'm going to overturn it. But then you watch Match of the Day and the, the goons in the studio uh, well, Danny Murphy and Jermaine Genius are not really experts. They um, they they said the same thing. They just straight away they didn't even explore the clear and obvious debate. They just went, "Oh, he's fouled him," 
Yeah. Um, There's a few comments uh, about if it was you know, if the other way around, it's not a penalty, is it? That's that's the other way of looking at it. There's no way that goes the other way for sure. Jacob, I just want to touch on the forward players again before we move on, because that's another game where the front three have failed to score next to no attacking threat at all. I think Raul points out, he's watching on YouTube tonight, says the worrying part was when James Ward-Prowse was suffocated, we'll just clear out of ideas. And if other teams are going to, having watched him playing that number 10 role, notice how good he is and then put a man on him, mark him out of the game, that's going to be a problem going forward. And again, we're talking about those missed chances. Exactly. I think one of the downsides of playing of playing Will Prowse in that number 10 role is that a lot of the attacks or a lot of things that happen in the final third are funneled towards him. He has got a lot of influence in there where if he was a little bit deeper, he'd be the one playing that pass into that final third. But, you know, if we look at what Slampton are doing in the, in the window as well, where they're potentially not going to sign an out-and-out number nine because they want to sign, they want players, you know, that can supplement all four positions and they can all get goals from different areas. Slampton aren't really getting that at the moment. They're just getting Ward Prowse or nothing, aren't they? Mm, so, yeah. you know, you, you haven't got Adam Armstrong chipping in with five to, you know, goals. Che Adams getting that double figures. Yeah. You know, Miss Lafosic, he's not getting a chance yet. I'm sure he will. You know, you've even got Musa Gineppo getting some goals. So I do think there's a, such a burden on Ward Prowse. And if Slampton are going to go down that line in the next week or 10 days about, you know, bringing in a forward who can play in multiple positions across the front line, they've really got to make sure that everyone, apart from Ward Prowse, chips in with goals. And right now, that's not happening, is it? No, it's, not going, not, it's not going to either. It, <laughs> you, know, you know that Adam Armstrong is not going to score five goals between now and the end of the season. You know that the, the you know he he's one that has zero quality on the ball. Works hard, got no issue, got no issue with that with his work rate, and he's carrying out the manager's instructions. But when he gets the ball, it's completely random. Is it going to go to one of our players? Probably not. Yeah, your your point about moving Warprouse from midfield. That's highlighted by then. Okay, so Warprouse isn't getting involved in the build-up play. You're now relying on Diallo to pass the ball to a red and white shirt, which he frequently failed to do yesterday. And I, I just go back to the earlier point about the, the frustration of we've got a goal scorer who we've signed, or an alleged, you know, we don't know if he's a goal scorer yet mm-hmm. at this, at, in the Premier League. He sat on the bench. We've got a midfield player who's supposed to have some quality about him not playing. And for me, when when they those are the two players that should have come on on 60 minutes mm. not uh, who came on Elianusi and Mara Mara came who, on the row wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah and you know Mara and Elianusi Mara, Mara tried but nothing mm. nothing there Elianusi wasn't it? it it was a downgrade you know you've taken Lavia I know Lavia wasn't having the best of games but you've taken Lavia off put Elianusi on you've taken Adams off Adams had a terrible game as well he, he was another one. He, he worked hard and held the ball up, but, you know, where the pass went was was all a bit random. So, Elie uh, is a curious case, and I think he's probably a little bit indicative of the fan base because he does split opinion, doesn't he? And, but Nathan Jones is, is a huge fan of him. I know he, he didn't start him yesterday, but, you know, there's been reasons for that in terms of injury and managing and conditioning levels. But the reason why Jones likes him is because of his defensive output. He's reliable. They trust him to play a number of positions. But... If you're losing or if you're drawing, he's the guy that's going to make the difference at the moment. And I don't think he's got that bit of zip or bit of energy. You know, a lot no. of people do like him. I think he, I see his qualities, but I don't think he's got that telling touch in that final third. We're all such. If you look at his stats, I know, you know, Premier League's completely different to Croatia. He takes a lot of shots. He crosses the ball a lot and he has got that yeah. incision about him. So I think, you know, Orsic is someone that should perhaps should have come on. But of course, it's going to take a number of weeks, Jones thinks. And that's not really what you want from us January signing. We're and going is to be that down, because we're, we're going to be down by then. 
we will be down by then absolutely and and is that jacob because of all the different formations i know that we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks mm. and when you spoke to him he doesn't want to play one <laughs> formation he doesn't want to be famous for one formation he changed it again quite a few times during the week and i know you wrote about this as well when these these new players are coming in is it that and i don't like the word onboarding but have they got to load them with all the information about all the different formations and all the changes during the game is that do you think is what's stopping them just dropping straight in and, and, and hitting the ground running? I think it depends on the position you play. Like, for example, Alcaraz literally got off the plane and played half an hour against Everton because he he could basically fitted the system quite well. He's a number eight. He could get into the box. We're all sit. He's, he came from Croatia and he was playing in a very set position on that left-hand side. Where if you see Salamton, you see a doozy in that first half against Everton, for example. He was really one and left. And then Jones comes to him and tells him to play in a number 10 role. And all of a sudden, it's completely different in where you're receiving the ball. It would sometimes be wide and left with everything ahead of you. And then all of a sudden, you move into the middle of the pitch. It'll basically be in a centre of the field with all pressure around you. So I don't know if all Sitch has got those qualities yet to keep interchanging between a wide winger and a number 10. And that's the reason why Jones wants him to keep training him because he needs he needs a winger that recognises the triggers in terms of when to change system. And for him, he doesn't think Orsic does at the moment, but Ali Yunusi does all the time. He knows everything. He can play right wing back, he can play number 10, he can play hold him in field. And that's the reason why he ultimately brings him on instead of him. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. You don't get relegated because of poor refereeing or VAR decisions. We're 15 points from... 20 games um steve one clean sheet in 20 and we were lucky to get that if you listen to um to nathan jones so that's this is going to be yeah. our problem isn't it well it feels to me very much like we're running out of games already um yeah it does i mean we're in the middle of this run that was theoretically good on paper but of course the game's not played on paper it's played on grass and um or in the sky if um if you're nathan jones playing not in forest but it's yeah we're yeah you as you say running out of time and ultimately, you need something that that people can kind of grip grip onto, as saying, right, this is this is the reason why we've got a chance here. And yet, you kind of look at yesterday's game as a kind of prime example as to why we don't have those things. Because for all that, as I said earlier, that we looked kind of more solid as a unit, and that Villa didn't really cause an awful lot of issue for us in open play, despite seventy something percent possession. They did they. Let's be honest, they did nothing with it. We still lost 1-0. Um, we still didn't make their keeper work hard enough. I mean, he he worked, he was worked harder than our keeper was, to be fair. But at the end of the day, we've still lost 1-0. And we've not given our centre-forwards enough service. We've not um, put the balls in the right areas. And we've not had enough players kind of busting a gut to get into the box onto, onto anything that we might. Um, speculatively put into the area. So yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of reasons to kind of hang your hat on on us at the moment. And realistically, from a, I think even just from a basic PR perspective, if the club was looking like it accepted that this was a problem and was working to to try and remedy it with with one or two signings in in the very most obvious position that we need strengthening, um, then I think people would kind of accept that okay fine it's it's happening we are we have our position in the food chain as far as transfers go we might have to wait till deadline day um to see what other pieces fall into into place at, at bigger clubs see who's who's available short term or or maybe discarded because a bigger club has signed somebody better but at the moment there's no noises coming out of the club that that hint at that there seems to be like Nathan Jones seems to be making noises that he's he's perfectly happy with the with the attacking options we've got. It's like I mean we're Jesus. not we're not 
yeah, I mean, we're, we're not sta- we're not staying up drawing games nil nil. That's for sure. No, and, um, and to be fair, Steve's normally the more optimistic um, of the group. So, um, Glenn, there's a lot of people that are doing doing the maths and crunching the numbers. And if if we're going to say, you know, we want to get to forty points, I know we haven't previously the last couple of years, and it's been all right. Eighteen games left. It's something like one point three eight 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 recurring points per game that we need to get. <laughs> and you look at that run. We'll, we'll talk about the cup in a second. But you, you look at Brentford, Wolves, Chelsea. Leeds, Leicester. I can honestly see that we'll be sat here on a Sunday night talking about a narrow 1-0 defeat to Brentford and to Wolves and to Chelsea. Have you seen anything to suggest that we're going to get that 1.3888 points per game? Uh, Not exactly, no. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, we won three games in a row last week. So we have got it in us to win games. But yesterday felt like we, we emerged from the slime you know, we sorry with the, those three games felt like we emerged from the slime for a little bit, and yesterday just felt like we crawled right back into it again. You know, we we are still bottom of the league. I mean, I was, I wouldn't say optimistic, but I was, you know, having won those three games and and put in sort of decent performances at least in in part in all three of those games. I I thought well, if the performance levels can continue in you know going in that direction, then we'll win some, we'll lose some, but there's a good chance that you know we'll have enough to get out of it but yesterday really really sort of like took the wind out of the sails again and I, th- I think you just look at some of the players we've got and just think we're not going to get enough out of you uh, and the bottom line is we haven't got enough goals in the team we we are trying to win games one nil but you've got to have a backup plan when you go one nil down haven't you and and we just do not seem to have it and the players i mean our top goal scorer in the league is Che with four, is it? Uh, oh, yes. Maybe Prowse has got more than that. Now. Prowse, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we're re- we're relying on a midfield player, over relying on a midfield player to score to score the goals. We, you know, we've got players who are in there as attackers, and they just they just haven't got it. But we've gone into this season with you know a strike force of Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, and Sekumara. That's that's two championship strikers and a kid from the French league. It's it goes it goes back to that season under Claude Puel when we had Charlie Austin, Shane Long and an injured Joe Rodriguez. And and we struggled like mad until we signed Gabbiadini in yeah. January and he had a little burst of goals and we managed to stay up off the back of it, basically. So for Nathan Jones to say he's happy with his attacking options, either he's lying just to throw people off the scent or he's deluded. Because he's to say that maybe. Yeah, we we are there is not enough goals in this team to um to stay up as it is. And maybe Orsic and Alcaraz can help that, but I, I doubt even they will, will contribute enough to get us out of it. They they have to get someone or find a way of playing that where more players get themselves into positions where they might score, because I'm just not seeing it at the moment. And it will it will only t- I mean at the moment you look at the league table and it doesn't actually look like a lost cause at all because well it's three points isn't it yeah. separating the bottom seven teams at the moment yeah so. but. You know, we won our three games, but only one of them was in the league, unfortunately. So, you know, if we can string together a little run of three games in the league, then it w- it would suddenly look much better. And then, and then you play the the bigger teams later on, and it's it's not so it's not so desperate. Um, and you can maybe afford to get beaten by Manchester City. But if you get into this, if you get to the stage where you're, you're playing a Man City, a Liverpool, or a Tottenham, and someone like that, and you you're feeling like you have to get a result out of it. 
then you are really struggling. Looking at the positives, Chris points out we deserved a point yesterday and that would have taken us off the bottom. So thanks, Chris. And Pete says it was much better than the Forest game. So uh, <laughs> let's... let's... <laughs> it's the lowest of low bars ever. <laughs> it, it's a positive point. So, uh, so thanks for that, Pete. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we get a break from the league to hopefully build some momentum again and maybe improve because it's Newcastle, the semi-final of the Carabao Cup on Tuesday night, 8 o'clock start at St Mary's. Jacob, how do you think we're going to approach this game? Do we go all out for the cup or is it more of a distraction from, from the league? I think a, a great win at the weekend at home would have given us a free hit for the cup, but it, it kind of changed things a little bit that that defeat to Villa yeah I don't think Slams are in a position to 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 change on or decide that their minds I think they just need to go full throttle with every single game they've got a fair you know a squad that they're all quite similar I think people can come in people can come out I think they need to go for it you know they're in a semi-final of a cup and they they have to attack this game because we're going to St James's on deadline day with you know how many other how many odd Geordies absolutely pumping that place up and it's going to be it's going to be a frightful occasion at points so I think Slams need to go all out they need to get that confidence I, I do think Slams can get result uh, you know you know things are low but Slams tend to veer from complete hopelessness to hope to hope and I do think Slams are there I think they've showed some promising signs against Villa I think they've been gradually building after the Forest game they just need they need to make better decision in both boxes essentially I think set plays is a huge concern especially against Newcastle Dan Burns scares the life out of me but they 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 have got it in them and especially at home if they can press if they can hurry I think they've got something in them and Newcastle have been on a fantastic run of form but you know they are due to lose a few games and I think they can on, on Tuesday night and Steve, Nick Pope's in the form of his life at the moment, which is not what you want when you're struggling for goals, assuming that, that he plays. They're going well in the league. Is it a 15th unbeaten league game, I think? Yep. What are you? What have you made in Newcastle? And are they they're going to be up for this? It's, it's been, was it the 50s, I think, since they last won a cup or, or got to a final? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, much much further back than than even us for major cup wins, which, yeah, I mean, given given how massive apparently they, they are, um, yeah, that's that's a bit, of a bit of an outrage, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, it's 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 an opportunity, but New, let's be honest, New, Newcastle are a good side and they are exactly what we're not. They're solid. They don't concede goals at all. Like, I think they've, they've conceded like 12 goals in 19 games or something, which is insane hmm. for a team that, given how leaky they were a year ago, conceding more than two a game at that point and they're now basically half a goal a game um over half a season which is a remarkable improvement given how um eddie howe basically spent the previous six years not knowing how to put a defense together it's a fairly extraordinary turn of um uh sort of change of form really but yeah i mean it'll be interesting they i mean they've they've not been quite as convincing the last month or so quite a few nil nil draws in there 
didn't do an awful lot against Palace last night, I didn't think. And Palace are certainly beatable. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps they're just going on a little bit of a dip. Um, as you say, perhaps due a, due a, due a defeat. And yeah, that, I mean, that would be immensely satisfying if we could um, deny them deny them a cup final um, in in their supposed year of destiny and all this all this absolute nonsense that their um, <laughs> that their apologist fans keep coming out with. They won't, of course, have the uh, the cup game in between either, will they, Glenn? So they should get the rest on at the weekend, and we don't. We have to play. Do you, do you go all guns blazing for for Tuesday night and try and get the win and, and take it up north? I think Tuesday is all about still being in the tie at the end of the game um even if it's even if it's level you can't you can't win a two-legged semi-final in the first game but you can certainly lose it <laughs> and if we if we get the same result we got in the league game against them 4-1 defeat we might as well not even bother going up it's a massive advantage for them to be at home in the second game um and they 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 might say otherwise but you know Newcastle this year it is all about winning a trophy and this is their best chance of winning one so they will. They will certainly put out their strongest team. I see that Bruno Himares was supposed to be supposed to be injured. Played yesterday, so he's he, back. Yeah, yeah, he's he's back from be the dead. There, back from the dead, and um, yeah, I was impressed with um, Eddie Howe's mealy mouth response to um, you know Joe Linton's uh, drink driving thing. Newcastle will be very hard to beat. I personally would be be quite happy if we go up their level, but uh, but I don't I don't think we've got it in us to to you know to go for it. And at the moment, without leaving massive holes at the back. And I, I just don't think that would end well for us. Um, I think we'll know within the first five minutes, like the Man City game. You know, none of us saw that coming. And then, right, with three or four minutes on the clock, we're like, that's oh, very true. This that's is very this, true. This is all right. We know this This might be all right. Tonight. Yeah, this New, might be Newcastle, Newcastle won't rest a load of players like Pep did. And they will be full strength. They've got that um, Alexander Isak. He's back fit now. So he'll probably play instead of Callum Wilson, I'd have thought. But other than that, I fully expect them to be to be at full strength. And um, as Jacob's already pointed out, the um, the threat from set pieces is is going to be huge. So their their defence not only great at that end at the the correct end of the pitch, they're also you know with Dan Byrne and Cher and um, can't remember the other centre half. And obviously you've got Trippier's delivery as well. There's, <laughs> they've signed some old oh, Botman. Botman's an absolute monster, isn't he? They're going to have to work twice as hard on the the Monday. Did he say they were quite uh, they were quite aggressive with the training um, with regards to defending free kicks and set pieces on the the Friday, and we still end up conceding from one on on Saturday. So it has to go twice as hard on Monday. Um, Jacob, do you think someone like Alex McCarthy might come in, or there's, there's been a talk about how he might have come in before had he not rolled his ankle? I know he's returned to training. Do you think this game might be a bit too early for him? I think it's uh, probably one game too early. Um, he only came back, I think, Thursday, uh, back into training. Uh, I think the, the plan was for him to play a half half of a B-team game, uh, but there's been issues in terms of postponements, games like that. Um, so I think, really, they're looking at Blackpool game. They think that's probably a perfect game to ease him back into it. If he get, you know, gets in there, hopefully he's not tested too much, making sure everything's working, he comes through that fine. And that's essentially you know, the 45 minutes he was going to play against for the B-team. So there's always a view... If he does really well, keeps a clean sheet against Blackpool, you stick him in at St. James's because he's got experience. You know, people like to criticise him, but I always found him, he looks quite a calm keeper. He's quite, he's got experience of it. He's got know-how. And, you know, he was going to come in after that Lincoln game. Uh, I think it was pretty obvious that McCarthy's going to come in had he not rolled his ankle, which is awful luck for him. But I think it's probably time that, you know, McCarthy just push, push uh, Gavin Bazunu and perhaps the Blackpool game is probably the, the right time. I can't believe we're, we're- calling for Alex McCarthy to come in. Yeah. <laughs> Bazuni 
Bazuma seemed to have an injury yesterday as well. Mm. He, he sort of had treatment at one point, and then he really struggled to kick a ball in the second half. So... He's been battling. He's been battling bruised, hasn't he, throughout the throughout yeah. the season? Really, not from physical sense, but also mental. He, he's coming into his first yeah. Premier League season. He's facing absolutely everything coming to him. Constantly changing defence. Two managers that play different styles. He got bought into to keep to pass it short because of his distribution. Then within two weeks, he got told, you know, actually you're kicking it long. You kick it really long. Keep doing that. So you know he's, he's been pulled side to side. So it's been a it's been a really educational year for him. And hopefully, you know, if even if it's in the championship next year, that hopefully this experience will serve him well. I'm just going to quickly run around for some score predictions for for the Newcastle game. Steve, do you want to go first? Would you be happy with a, a with a draw or? Uh... Um, yeah, I'd take a draw. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as as you say, just make sure you're in the game going up there because I think the longer you keep, you can keep a game up there, um, sort of quite tight and tense. The more their fans will get a bit sort of on their players' backs and stuff, especially against against us, bottom of the league, supposed with no hopers. Hmm. And but yeah, I mean, if we if we kind of start in a sort of positive way like we did against City. Then yeah, we can we can cause them a bit of a bit of a shock, but I don't know. Can we do it after sort of so soon after what felt like just a bit bit of a demoralizer? I don't know. I'll take a draw, one all, one all. Uh, Jacob, are you going to stick with your newfound positivity of predicting wins? I always predict wins. I think the Samson are going to keep a clean sheet for some reason. I'm going to go what? for a one nil win. <laughs> Lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you never know. Wishful thinking, Glenn. Heard it here first. Um, have, having having predicted us to uh, to win yesterday, after a little bit of optimism after the three wins, I'm going to go, uh, like I say, back into the sludge and predict <laughs> two, a two nil defeat right. okay. in the home right. leg. All right. Then it's Blackpool. So the FA Cup fourth round. We don't know too much about Blackpool. I mean, they've appointed uh, Mick McCarthy as their new head coach to the end of the season. 23rd in the championship. Steve, they had a great result against Forest, obviously, in the last round of the Cup. Is this a potential banana skin for us or is it a chance to to, to get a few goals and, and push on with some confidence? Uh, both. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge banana skin on the basis of their league position. Um, but as you say, I mean, they beat... Uh, I mean, Forrest made loads of changes, but for, this is Nottingham Forest who made t- 27 signings last summer. Um, so they've got to give those players a run out at some point. And, um, and I mean, they absolutely smashed them, didn't they? 4-1. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, thank God we avoided um, avoided another game against Forrest. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a, a banana skin, but it's also one where I think, I mean, realistically, that's our opportunity for bedding in new signings, trying something a little bit different, maybe uh, a little bit more of an attacking outlook. I mean, as as reasonable as Lianco has played these last three games, um, can we please have a right back at right back and a left back at left back? I don't, I'd like to think I'm not asking for them, asking for the world there. Um, just occasionally have players in their, in their strongest positions. That'd be nice. And I mean, I think one of the keys is getting Lavia back fully fit and able to do 90 minutes because he's obviously come off on the hour mark pretty much every game I think since he's been been back in the team so um, whether that's an opportunity to rest him and give others an opportunity or whether it's a case of right this is the one where you're gonna you're gonna go the distance and we're gonna see what see what you've got Um, that's a bit of a coin toss for me I think but yeah I mean just don't get beat because that'd be, I mean, if if you end if you end up get dumped out by uh, by Mick McCarthy on his first first managerial game back for, I mean, how 
I mean, how long has he been out of the game? He's been out, must have been out for a good couple of years since he left. Yeah, since Car- he left Cardiff. It was Cardiff last. Yeah. It was Cardiff last, wasn't it? And he, yeah. and he was yeah. awful. It was dreadful at Cardiff as well. Yeah. And, and their, their game was postponed at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. So he so he's had basically a week and a half with these players to prep them for this game. Um, so yeah, you would imagine they'll be very well drilled, sort of very sort of new manager, right? We're gonna we're gonna run run our asses off for, for the new guy. See see what happens. Make sure we get a get ourselves a place in the team for the rest of the season. Does a lot of it depend um, on how Tuesday goes, Jacob? You look at a game like this and you think, actually, there might be some of the players from the B team that are scoring for fun at the moment that could be on the bench or could be in with a shout. But if if Tuesday doesn't go well, then the pressure's kind of back on for, for Saturday. So is, is there a little bit of, let's wait and see what happens on Tuesday? Maybe, but I think Southampton need to be confident in this squad that you know they can take that game out of, out of the equation against Newcastle. They can just back the squad and back the the guys on the periphery, really. I like. I think there'll be some of the youngsters on that bench, you know, Jimmy J. Morgan, uh, like Steve said, I think the signings uh, will, will should come in, really, and, and you know, Maitland-Niles as well, these type of guys that need need games. Got so, that in. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. And if Southampton <laughs> can't, can't win against Blackpool, even with their second string team, then it's going to be an issue. But I'm probably most looking forward to the Mick McCarthy, Nathan Jones post-match press conferences because they're going to be such throwbacks, no PR training. It's just going to be incredible. And I think that might be even more interesting, <laughs> might be even more entertaining than the game. I think there's going to be some great lines out there. And if I could do a piece on just what those two said alone, then um, I think it'd be quite enjoyable, to be honest with you. Is it a shame, Glenn, we're not going to see Michael Appleton? Because that would have been good fun to get him at St Mary's. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, he was their he, he was their manager when we played him in the championship. Mm. Them yes. being being the right, team yes. that we can't mention. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think it really matters. I mean, it's interesting that it's um, McCarthy's first game, and uh, yeah, as, as Jacob says about the the press conference, I, I I would personally be amazed if the press conference isn't more entertaining than the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it, yeah, it could be a, a hoofball spectacular that game because uh, McCarthy is not known for his um, his uh, flowing football either. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he's um, what what he does with that squad. I was look, I was looking at the Blackpool squad and uh, they got a guy called Gary Medine who played oh, he's a centre <laughs> forward. He played against us in the Johnston Paints final. Oh so my he, word! He, he's been around. He scored yeah. for Carlisle, yeah. Yeah, he scored for Carlisle against us. He's been going for a long, long time. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's been in the uh, lower leagues. I mean, the championship aren't really the lower leagues, but he, you know, he hasn't. I don't think he's made it any. Uh, I'm surprised he's in the championship, to be honest. Maybe we'll get him in. <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. Yeah, lower league, big centre forward. That's the sort of player that we uh, we probably will sign. I'm sure Jacob Wait, will be writing, writing about that next week. But... Let's finish on the uh, the January transfer news. Very little this week, other than Jacob, a few worrying words from the manager on Friday, as as Glenn mentioned earlier on, that kind of shift in very carefully worded responses to the questions from the likes of yourself and Alfie about actually we might get a, a forward player rather than a striker. And if we don't, you know, we've, we've got enough in the tank. And it, it just, it, it worried me, really worried me. But before the oppressor against Newcastle, I was listening back to the one before that. And he's, and I think it was a, a question from another journalist about wanting a striker. And Nathan Jones just quickly said off the cuff, how do you know we want a striker, not a forward? And at the time I didn't really pay attention to it. And then I listened to it back. I thought, okay. And then, so I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him a bit more about that. And then it came out of the answer on Friday about not necessarily now that forward. We might have someone that's a bit adaptable, plays across different positions. And when you look at the players that Southampton have been talking to, most interesting, 
interested in, in Nicholas Jackson, Antoine Semenyo, mm. you know, kind of fits the bill, doesn't it? And it's, I'm sure supporters <laughs> might not be too happy to hear that, but I can kind of see what, how they're coming from it. And I said it, like I said earlier, but you need goals from different places. So I, I'm sure if it's up to Nathan Jones, he'd want that out and out forward, but he's not going to go against his employers, is he, in terms of saying it. And I do think Southampton, there is always that chance that they will pull a rub out of the hat. There's a, a lot of strikers they're talking to, uh, and it's just a case of hopefully driving one through, really. You know, they've seen so many pushback, you know, Danny Ings, for example, Nicholas Jackson, it's 20 million euros. Are, are they going to sanction it in, in January? That's that's the key decision, really, heading into the final couple of days. Is it safe to say, Glenn, we're not going to get the player that we want? You know, we're all talking about um, 20 goals a year, someone that's going to come in, hit the ground running, score 10 goals and, and keep us up. Is it, is it safe to say that we're, we're not going to get that and we need to let that go now and just be happy with anybody who comes in? I've, I've, I've heard a rumour we're after Adiak and Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Last day of January, get him in, 5 million. He's, 40, he's 48 now. Guido Carrillo is probably available from China. Yeah, yeah what happened? Oh, is that where he is? Is that yeah. where he is? I bet he's not in the top league. But uh, yeah, there was a strange comment from Nathan Jones yesterday about um, we're still scoring goals. It's not as if we've gone. To, I mean, man, what what is that? Got, what is he on? One player is scoring goals. So uh, yeah, I agree with Jacob. He's probably tiptoeing around it a little bit because he can't um, he can't say what he actually thinks. Which so it'd be interesting to see what he says after the transfer window's over when if we uh, if we haven't signed anybody. But I don't think we're going to pull in a signing where who's who scored, you know, thirty goals in his last fifty games in any division. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um and you know, Nicholas Jackson, people have been saying, well he's only scored three goals in twenty games, but if he if he'd scored fifteen goals in twenty games, he'd be sixty million quid and we wouldn't even be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it, again it's it it's a case of we can't do much about it. I mean, I, I struggle to to think about, you know, Jones is saying about signing a forward player as opposed to, you know, a number nine striker type thing. They've got to be a certain type of player to fit into the, you know, the type of football that Jones wants to play. I mean, when we were kind of half linked with Danny Ings, I, I was thinking, I, I don't know where, I don't know how he'd really sort of like fit in. Would they play him in a wide area? You know, would they play him up the middle to try and compete with centre ass? Would we play with two strikers, which I think you probably need for Danny Ings? He's not really a, an upfront on his own kind of guy. So yeah, I, the, the the profile of the player, the sort of player that he is, is is going to be uh, is going to be very interesting. But I'm uh, I'm not expecting um, everyone on Twitter to be happy when uh, <laughs> when, the, when the name eventually drops. Put it that way. And Steve, I suppose the other thing that concerns me a bit this week is that some of our relegation rivals, as it were, have strengthened. I know like Forrest and West Ham with Danny Ings, they, they've got someone that's going to score goals. He scored six goals for Villa and then they've said, yeah, right, you can go off. We'd be, we would love someone to have scored six goals this season. Yeah, I mean, I was I was slightly, slightly intrigued by Villa's decision to let him go, given that, as you say, he was their leading scorer and it seemed like Ollie Watkins had just got injured. Um, obviously, it turned out not not to be the case. And they've signed this um, this young um, young lad from from MLS for reasonably big money. But I mean, those signings can go either way, can't they? Whereas you know, with Ings, he's you know what you're getting from him. So that yeah, that that was a surprise. But I mean, personally, I don't I don't think West Ham will be in any danger anyway. The squad that they've got is a top half team, and they've just been woefully underperforming. I mean, similar to us, really, just not scoring enough goals, just rubbish in front of goal um, this season. And it just puts so much pressure on the at the other end of the pitch. I think if they've 
I fully expect them to, to be well clear of it by um, by May. And that won't just be because they've signed Danny Ings. That'll be because they've got they've got a good squad and they've finally sorted themselves out. In terms of the other sides, I mean, you look at you look at who who they're who they're bringing in. I mean, Forrest have signed Chris Wood. Apparently, he was absolute dreadful at Bournemouth yesterday in the seventy five minutes he played. So, I mean, is he the answer? Answer for them? Uh, maybe, maybe not. They were they were doing they were doing all right before they signed him. So is he now going to be a, one of those players that that they they've signed and they've committed big wages for? And now all of a sudden they feel like they've got to play him, even though he doesn't really suit suit the way they're playing. Um, so there's always sort of pros and cons with any with any signing, particularly in January when you get teams down the bottom get a bit desperate. So. Yeah, I don't know. We've we've done some business, and we've got to get these guys on the pitch to see whether see whether they're any if good. If they're or any not. good, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there was a there was a lot of noise around both of them when when we signed. Like a lot of a lot of neutral saying, "Oh, they're they're cracking signings for Saints. That that's um that's going to help them out." But until they step over that white line, we see absolutely no evidence of it. Can't so, really talk about them. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 all hypotheticals with all the other sides at the moment. Well, let's hope that Jacob has a busy week writing about transfers and, and incomings. Chris, just to finish on a positive, says, remember Mickey Evans came in, scored goals and kept us up and left a hero. So have faith. <laughs> we need to find another Mickey Evans to come in. Can, can, um, you, can you imagine if we sign a striker for 400 grand from Journeyman from, from Plymouth? From League Two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he scores the goals to keep us up, then uh, happy days. I can recommend um, Omar Bugill from Sutton United. <laughs> <laughs> Not non non scoring centre forward that will that will that will work out perfectly for us. Thank you for your contributions this week. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod on there. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. There's a link on there for the online shop, and you can always get in touch via the emails as well during the week. You can also find us on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. All the different tiers on there come with all sorts of different benefits, including some weekly shout outs for two of our top tiers. Thanks to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, and Matt Hall for your support. They're in the Francis Benali tier. Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jacob, for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the cup games and we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.